Well, today we are continuing our series on the life of Job. And what we've been discovering is that Job's story is actually a story of what? story of hope, right? A lot of people think that it's all just doom and gloom, but it's more than that. It's, it's really this awesome, awesome story. And what we've discovered about Job is our, our key verse, Job 42.12. It says this, that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Yes, he went through some tough times, but by the end of the story, everything is good. And so what we've been talking about is that, look, Job's story didn't end at chapter 2, it ended in chapter 42. And so that's what you've got to look forward to, is that even if you're going through some storms in life right now, even if you've got some things that aren't going the way that you think they should be going, even if you're frustrated, don't worry about that, because God's got a better ending for you. He's got a better story. He's got a story of hope for you in your life. He wants your second half of life to be even more blessed than what the first half was. And so what we've been looking at is some principles of, okay, how do you live the blessed life? We've looked at three things so far. The, the first thing I told you was you can never give up on the God who has never given up on you. I don't care what you're going through. Never, never, never give up. And then we talked about this. Yes, maybe you've made some mistakes in the past. Yes, maybe you've had some things happen to you that really, really hurt in the past. But you can't do anything about then. But you can decide to do something right now, which will lead to a better later. And then last week we talked about financial blessing in your life. And I said to you, look, you have got to start acting like a manager of stuff, not an owner of stuff. You don't really own anything. It, it all belongs to God. It's all his. You're just a manager. And the way that you prove to God that, okay, God, I'm just a manager is through this thing that we call a tie, that you give 10% of your income back to him. So we've looked at that so far, three principles of living the blessed life. Today we're just going to continue on, just one more principle uh, to look at. Before we actually get to the principle, let me share with you a story from just, uh, actually it was just last week, last Thursday and Friday a week ago. I was at a leadership conference, or I was on my way to a leadership conference for various church leaders, and uh, a couple guys from our denomination were going to be there, and we decided we were all going to sit together. And so as I get there to this event, I'm walking into the building, I feel my cell phone start to vibrate, and it's a text message from one of the guys. He says, we're already there. We're sitting in the center section on the left-hand side about halfway back. Okay, cool. Now, the building isn't all that big, and, and the room then isn't much bigger than this room. So I go in. Okay, uh, center section, left side. I go down the aisleway, halfway back. I'm looking for these guys. I don't see them anywhere. Like, where in the world are they? I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking. I don't see them. And so just to put this in a little bit of perspective for you, the week before that, I had done a lot of traveling. I went just a real quick trip down to North Carolina and back, and I was down there teaching some uh, pastors and stuff. And so I was really tired from that trip. And then that particular week leading up to the conference was sort of frustrating. So my mind wasn't exactly where it should have been between tired and frustrated and various things. So I thought, well, maybe I just write the text wrong. So I get my phone back out. Okay, it says center section, left side, halfway back. Yep, that's where I'm at. And so I'm looking, you know, where, where in the world are these guys? And I just can't find them anywhere. I'm starting to get frustrated. And I, where in the world are they? And I thought, well, wait a second. Maybe he meant facing from the stage that it's the left side. And so now I'm like looking across the room. You know, I don't see him. Get out my phone again. Center section. Check. Left side. Check. Halfway back. Check. I, I 
I don't see these guys anywhere. And now I'm, I'm boiling, right? So I get the phone out, and, and I can see from my text messages now, looking back at it, that a total of four minutes has elapsed here. So four minutes that I'm standing there looking for these guys, and I'm like, just stand up. I don't see you. About five seconds later, two feet away, he pops up. It was actually so close, it was almost scary. It was, ah! <laughs> it was so obvious, but yet I missed it. And see, I think we do that in life too, don't we? Sometimes there's things that are just so obvious that, that we miss it. But yet because we're frustrated, you know, we're frustrated with something in our marriage or we're frustrated with something in our job or there's this situation that's going on in our life. Our mind just gets so clouded by all that that we don't or that we miss what's right there in front of us. But you know what's even worse? It's when we do that with God. That oftentimes we're going through things in life that we're like, God, where are you? God, I want to hear your voice. Where are you? God's like. Right here, two feet away. But you've missed me. You've missed me. That's what happens with Job and his friends. Remember back in week one, I said that these three friends of his show up. And I said to you that Job was in such bad shape that like a whole week goes by and they don't even say anything. But then starting in chapter three, Job starts to talk and his friends start to talk back. And from chapter 3 to chapter 37, they're doing nothing but talking. And they're having this great debate, this, this theological debate, on why is God allowing all this stuff to happen in Job's life? Job has his sort of response of what he thinks, and, and his friends, they have a completely different idea, and they're saying, oh no, this is what's going on here. 34 chapters, they don't shut up. They just, they think they've got it all figured out. They've got God in a box that this is how God operates. This is how God acts. This is how God responds to tragedy. Just talk, 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 talk. Babble, 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 babble. 34 chapters. And not once do they stop and say, hmm, maybe we should see what God has to say about this. But that all changes in chapter 38. If you've got a Bible, you want to follow along, we're going to be spending most of our time in the uh, latter parts of, of Job. So Job 38, starting with verse 1, it says this. From out of a storm, the Lord said to Job. Now let me stop right there. If you're going through a storm in your life right now, if you're feeling frustrated, if something bad has been happening... That's the time you really need to stop and listen for the voice of God. See, anytime you're going through a storm, God either wants to speak to you or he wants to reveal a new aspect of himself to you. Maybe you remember the, the story of Jesus. One time he and his disciples are out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is actually sleeping. He's been busy doing ministry. And so they're, they're crossing, uh, going across the sea. And he's asleep and a big old storm comes up. And the wind and the waves. And I mean, it's so bad that the disciples think, we're going to die. 
Now, that must have been a bad storm because many of the disciples were fishermen by trade, so they knew what bad storms were. But yet this storm is so bad, they're like, we're going to die here. So they wake up Jesus, they're like, Jesus, we're going to die here. There's this bad storm and the wind and the waves and everything. Jesus remains calm. They're like, what in the world's going on here? Aren't you afraid, Jesus? Jesus just says, peace. All of a sudden, the, the wind and the waves, they die down. The storm stops. The disciples are like, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? See, in the midst of a storm, Jesus revealed a part of himself that they didn't know. And again, it's the exact same thing for you. Whatever you're going through, when a storm comes along, stop and listen for the voice of God. Verse 2. Again, God is speaking and He says, Why do you talk so much when you know so little? Ouch. He's basically going, All you guys have been doing is babbling on, babbling on. You don't really know anything. You guys are a bunch of dummies. It reminds me of the old bumper sticker. Maybe you've seen it before. It says this, it's better to remain silent and be thought to be stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> and again, that, that's, that's what these four guys are doing. They just keep babbling on, babbling on, babbling on. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa Job, slow down. Slow down. Who do you think you are? You don't actually know a whole lot here. 34 chapters they continue on thinking, this is how God acts. This is how the world works. God's just shaking his head. He's like, you guys know so little. And then I love this. He says to Job in verse 3, he says, brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Now, actually, this is one that I, I like the King James Version a little bit better, because it says, Gird up your loins. <laughs> In other words, bro, put on your cup, because we're about to go a couple rounds. <laughs> and sure enough, God goes off on Job for the next couple chapters. He, he's asking him all kinds of questions. He says, where were you when I created the universe? Where were you when the stars were put in place? Were you there when the angels shouted hallelujah because I had created all this stuff? He says, are you the one that put the oceans in their place? Are you the one that tells the sun to rise and the set? Are you the one that holds the keys to life and the death? Come on, Mr. Know-it-all. Tell me, where were you? Because apparently you were there before I created the world. You seem to know everything. Come on, tell me. Tell me. And God keeps asking question after question after question. He's like, are you the one that causes it to start to rain or to stop raining? Are you the ones that gave birds the instinct to fly south in the winter? I mean, just question after question after question. Two chapters worth. And God's just pounding Job with these questions. Come on, you think you know it all? Tell me, what is the answer to these questions? Finally, in chapter 40, verses 3 to 7, it says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing how could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Job's getting it, right? God sort of put him in his place. 
Look, you don't have all the answers. You don't know everything. But here's what's funny. Once again, God says, gird up your loins. We're about to go again. That was just round one. And for two more chapters, God goes off on them again. Question after question after question. Finally, by Job 42, verses 1 to 6, we read this. It says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, Who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things that I knew nothing about, things that are far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything that I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job finally gets it. Now, if you remember back to chapter 1, and it said that Job was the most righteous man that lived. That there was no one like Job. But yet Job still had some lessons to learn, didn't he? Job thought he had it all figured out. Even in the midst of, of tragedy, he thought, oh, I, I know exactly what's going on here. God's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. So let me tell you who I am. You need to stop and listen, and that's exactly what Job does. He stops now. He, he listens. He, he hears from God. He starts to obey the voice of God. And we know that just a couple verses later, it's our theme verse for this series, that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than he did the first half. Again, that's what I want for you. Stop thinking you have God all figured out. Stop putting God in a box. Start listening for the voice of God. Here's how I put it there on your outline. It's our big thought for the day. I must seek and surrender to the voice of God. I must seek and surrender to the voice of God. Now, the logical question that you probably have is, how do I hear the voice of God? How do I know that, that God is speaking to me? That's a great question. You know, is it like you get this, like, bat phone or something? You know, you pick it up. Hey, God, you know, how's your, you know, do you talk to him on the phone? Does God, like, do sky writing or something? I mean, is it, like, smoke signals that, that God's doing? What, what's the deal? How, how does God speak to us? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about for the rest of today's message. I want to give you four ways. And, yes, Walt, it will be four. I'm going to give you four ways. <laughs> four ways that God speaks to us. So the first one, if you're taking notes, there is this. Number one, God speaks to me through the Bible. Now, I'm not going to take a lot of time to talk about this one today because we just finished up a series last month on this very topic. It was called Text. If you weren't here for it, I'd encourage you to get online. Our, our website's exponentialchurch.tv. There's a place right there. You can listen to all the messages that I've done in all four years that we've been here. And the text series is right on there. Listen to it. It really tells you why the Bible's so important and how you can study the Bible for yourself. But for today, let me say this. I think that it's amazing that there's so many people that they say, I want to hear the voice of God, but yet they've never cracked open the Word of God. Think about that in your own life. Has there been times that you're like, oh God, just please speak to me. God, I need to hear from you, but yet you never actually sat down and opened up this book. Well, I just want God to speak to me in some way. God, just speak. He has. He has. It's called the Bible. He's speaking through here. This is God's mouthpiece to you. It's the primary way that He's going to speak. The Bible. 
everything you want to know about life, God has either directly spoken about it in here or there's a principle about it that you can find in here. Everything. You can find it. God has already spoken. You know, one of the things I found amazing in now 14 years of being a pastor, I have never once, I wish some of you would change this, but I've never once had somebody like call me up and I'm like, oh, it's somebody from the church. Hey, this is Gilbert. Hey, Gilbert. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that this morning I got up and I read my Bible and I've been applying everything that I read in it. Man, today's been fantastic. I just wanted to let you know that. Never once gotten that call. You know the calls I get? Gilbert, my life's falling apart. Can we get together? And we get together and they're like, why is my life falling apart? Why, where's God at? And as we start to examine what's going on in our life, you know what it always is? Fail to obey God's Word in some way. You want God to speak. He already has. It's in here. But yet, many times, we don't listen to it. We don't obey it. We, we think we have a better way than what God does. We choose to distort God's Word in some way to make it fit the way we want it to be for our lives. Again, we go, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? Here's what Scripture says. Proverbs 30, verses 5 to 6. It says, everything God says is what? Everything that God says is true. Because if it wasn't true, what? It'd be a, a lie, and God is not a, a liar, right? If He's a liar, He's not God. So it says that everything that God says is true, and it's a shield for all who come to Him for safety. Do not change what God has said. He will correct you and show you that you are a liar. Again, you need to get in this book every single day and read it. This is the way that God speaks to you. And I've said this before, God, when He says to do something or not to do something, it's not because you know He's this big Grinch in the sky or something. He's doing it for your best interest. Because He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Every word of God is true. He will only steer you the right way. But you've got to crack it open. You've got you've to read it. Or if you're reading it and you can't distort it, make it be what you think it is. That's what Job and his friends were doing. They were like, oh, we got God all figured out. God showed them otherwise. So take just five to ten minutes a day just to open it up and read it. You know, I don't know. I don't have five to ten minutes a day to do it. Yes, you do. Come on. If I told you that, look, if you did something for five or ten minutes a day at the end of a month, I'd give you a million dollars, you'd be like, okay. Suddenly you'd find time to do that five to ten minutes a day, wouldn't you? Because to you, a million dollars is important. Well, listen, there is much more than a million dollars worth of wisdom in this book. Take a little bit of time every day to hear the voice of God through His Word. Here's the second way then that God's going to speak to you, and it's through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. How many of you are excited that football season's about to start? Football fans? All right. But you know what it means when football season starts? It means that we're just a couple short months away from the holidays. We're just a couple short months away from turkey and presents and being morally obligated to spend time with some people that you normally wouldn't spend time with any other time of the year, but you have to because they're a relative, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like your crazy Uncle Eddie. Everybody has a crazy Uncle Eddie, right? 
that, you know, you, you go to the Christmas party or Thanksgiving or whatever, and he's there and he shows up drunk or he's obnoxious or he smells or he's the one that, like, at the dinner table, he has all the conspiracy theories. He's telling you about how 9-11 really didn't happen, you know. It was all this government thing, you know, or we didn't really send people to the moon, you know, and he's got all the proof for it because it's on the Internet. It must be true, right? And so, you know, Uncle Eddie's the guy that you're like, you're trying to avoid him, but yet he always just seems to be, like, right there. And it's just like, whew, <laughs> Uncle Eddie. Now, I know some of you are going, I don't think we have an Uncle Eddie in our family. Well, guess what? That means you're the Uncle Eddie. <laughs> uh, Uncle Eddie, you know, he he's the guy that when you bring a friend along to a family thing, you're like, I've got to warn you about something. My family's great, but... There could possibly be this one guy there. His name is Eddie. He's a little bit weird. He's a little bit strange. If he does show up, things are probably going to get awkward. Just wanted to let you know. I said that because I think that's how we treat the Holy Spirit. They were like, okay, the Holy Spirit's a part of the family because Jesus said so. But... You know, when he shows up, things sort of get a little weird, and and it can be a little bit awkward. You know, the two metaphors that the Bible uses for the Holy Spirit is wind and fire. And if you take those two forces, wind and fire, and you bring them together, you know that that can get quite uncontrollable. And so, again, that's what happens so often is that people are like, if the Holy Spirit shows up, things are going to get a little bit weird, and so I'm just going to, like, try to keep arm's distance. Just going to even pretend like the Holy Spirit isn't even here, that there is no such thing as the, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I guess we're part of the family, but I'm just a little weirded out by the whole thing. But see, that that's a real problem. Because the Holy Spirit is one of the ways that God wants to speak to you. Not only does God want to speak through His Word, but He wants to speak to you through His Spirit. You see, the Spirit is God's gift to you. When you pray and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come in and take control of your life, God says, look, my gift to you now is my Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now going to come and live inside of you. Man, that's something you want. That's not something to avoid. You want the Spirit because you've got new power. You've got new wisdom. You want the Spirit. The Spirit will speak. But often we don't listen. Now, there's the opposite extreme then. And that is people that are like, well, okay, there, there's two extremes. There's the really weird extremes that people are like thinking God talks to them about everything, you know. Fruit Loops or Raisin Bran. Oh, God, you know. Oh, thank you, God. Fruit Loops? Okay, yeah, I'm going to, you know, that's that's just weird. You're the Fruit Loop, okay? All right, so... <laughs> here's here's the deal. God, God will speak, but there's some people that they're like, well, God spoke to me and he told me that it's okay that I have sex outside of marriage because, well, you know, we're in love and, and we're going to get married one day, so it's okay for us to do that. Or God spoke to me and, and he said that it's okay for me not to tithe. Yeah, everybody else has to, but he understands my situation that I'm going through right now, so I, I'm sort of exempt from that. Or, you know, after what that person did to me and my family, God said to me that it's okay. I don't have to forgive them. 
But listen to me. That wasn't God. Here's what I want you to understand. The Spirit of God and the Word of God always will speak the same thing. Always. Here's what Scripture says. Jesus says in John 14, 26. But the Helper will teach you everything and will cause you to remember all that I told you. This Helper is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's job is to remind you of what has already been said. Where has God already spoken to us? He's already spoken through the Word. Again, the Word of God and the Spirit of God will never, ever contradict one another. So if you're saying that, well, God told me that it's okay that I'm doing, and you fill in the blank, but it's already in here that it's not okay that you're doing that, guess what? That wasn't God speaking to you. Again, no contradiction, no confusion at all. So here's how you apply this to real life. If you're sensing that God is speaking something to you, and it's very rare that God would like speak to you like in an audible voice. God can do that, but it would be rare. A lot of times it's just you, you, you get this thought, you get this sort of intuition type of thing, and you're like, okay, is that God or is that not God? Here's what you do. As soon as you have that, you go, what does God's word say about it? What has God already spoken? If he says to do it, then I do it. If he says not to do it, then I, I don't do it. Again, Word of God, Spirit of God will always speak the exact same thing to you. You know, if a name pops into your mind and you're like, man, I think I'm supposed to pray for that person. Well, guess what? That's not Satan that put that there. Satan doesn't want you praying for someone. So if a name suddenly pops into your mind, pray. Or when I talk to you about, you know, people that are far from God, who do you know, a neighbor, a, a co-worker, a family member, a friend that doesn't yet know Jesus? Right now, even as I'm saying that, a name is coming to your mind. That didn't just pop into your mind on your own. That's the Spirit of God working in you. That's the Spirit speaking to you, that that's somebody that you need to make a difference in their life. If you're tempted to do something, you're like, oh, I think I, I should do, again, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Again, you've got to ask yourself, does that align with God's Word or not? If it doesn't, then that's your opportunity to, to say, God, according to your Word, you will help me to escape all temptation. You'll provide me a way out. So right now I need you to, to show me the way out of this. And God will speak to you in that moment. He will give you the way to escape the temptation. Again, maybe not audibly, but He'll give you clear direction. That you need to right now, you need to get up from where you're at and you need to walk out of that room or you need to flee that place or you need to call someone and, and, and be held accountable. God will always speak to you and give you the right thing to do. The question is, are we going to listen? Are we going to obey? Number three then. God wants to speak to you through the church. Yes, He speaks to you through His Word. Yes, He will speak to you through His Spirit. But don't neglect the church. Jesus died for the church. Jesus established the church. Jesus called the church His bride. Most of the New Testament is written to the church and church leaders and how to be Christians amongst one another in this thing called the church and make a difference in the world. 
God wants to speak to you through the church. In fact, look at Ephesians 3.10. The Apostle Paul says this, His, meaning Jesus' intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. How many of you need more wisdom from God? How many of you need more wisdom from God? Where does it say that you're going to get the wisdom of God from? From the church, from coming to church. You need that. You've got to get plugged in. See, I don't care how spiritual you are or how much you think that you're in a right relationship with Jesus or even what title you may have. All of us need to be in a church every single Sunday for the rest of our lives. Every Sunday. I've been a follower of Jesus now for what? Uh, what did we figure out the other week? 21 years. I th- Lise, help me out. 21 years, maybe three times that we haven't actually been in church on a Sunday, and that was either because of extreme illness or, you know, it has to be something pretty pretty extreme. And even then, we'll, we'll stream something live online and, and watch that. Every single Sunday, we take fan... I'm making up a word. I was going to say fantabulous. <laughs> I think we actually may be, we, yeah, we do use that word. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I wasn't making it up. We actually use that. All right. We take fantabulous vacations. But you know, one of the first things I do as soon as we decide on a destination, I get online and say, which church are we going to? Every single Sunday you need to be in a church. Some people, I don't need to be in church. You know, we're going out camping. We're, we're going out and doing this thing. We're doing that thing. I'm going to spend time with God in nature. Listen, you can do that Monday through Saturday. God can speak to you through nature. It's wonderful. But Scripture makes it very, very clear that when Sundays roll around, you need to be in a church. That you're not to neglect the meeting with one another on a weekly basis. It's got to be a a priority for you. Why? Because God wants to speak to you through the church. Again, you've got to make that a priority. Now, here's the reality of things. Right now, you're here. Sunday morning. Hey, welcome. But again, the reality is this. All of us, and myself included, we probably will not die in exponentialchurch.tv. Right? Now, I don't mean like today die. I mean, as the years go on, you're going to move or you're going to hate me for something and go off to another church. or You know, things happen. So the likelihood of us all still being a member here when we're 100 years old, is very, very, very low. So what I want to do is, because church is such a a huge thing, I want to give you just a couple of tips of things that you need to look for in a church. Four phrases that you should always hear. And if you don't even hear it as the exact phrase, at least the concept behind it. Okay? Because again, I want you to be here, and I hope that we're all here by the time we're 100, but the reality is it probably isn't going to happen. So I want to make sure that you always keep church a, a major priority and that you just don't, like, go in and, oh, well, this one makes me feel good. No, you've got to be there because there's a, a reason that you're there and that, that you're getting what God wants you to get out of it. So here's the uh, first thing there. If you're taking notes, first phrase you need to always hear is this one. Open your Bible. Open your Bible. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how good the children's ministry is. I don't care how good the cups of coffee that they serve. I don't care how many like homeless people they may serve. I don't care how good the communicator is up front. 
If the word of God is not the center of everything that's being done in that church, then you shouldn't be there. In fact, that church shouldn't even exist. That church should shut its doors. It should shut down. That church is worthless. And if it doesn't shut down, it should at least change its name to what it really is, and that's a country club. See, you can get all the you can get good music at a country club. You can get a part of service types of organizations and service projects as part of a country club. You can hear fantastic speakers at a country club. But if the church isn't based on the word of God, if the word of God is not the foundation of the church, you shouldn't be there. That's not a church. So again, that that's a huge, huge priority. Number two, then, you want to hear this word, or at least, again, the general concept, and that is repent. You know, if every Sunday you leave Exponential or you leave any church that you're attending, and you feel, oh, wow, this is great, man, this is good, I feel so good about myself, then you're in a bad church. There's got to be times that you walk out, you're like, wow, I just got hit right between the eyes today. I just got my toes stepped on. That hurt. I remember when I was 12 years old, I had to go in and get a physical for uh, for sports and various things, and they had to give me a tetanus shot. I don't know about you guys, but tetanus shots hurt. Not the actual shot itself, but then like right afterwards. And so I have this shot, and it's in my arm here, and it's like really, really tender. And that night was at my grandparents, and when I got there, my grandfather didn't know I got the shot. <laughs> He's like, hey, old buddy, how you doing? He punches me right on the, ow, that hurt. I mean, anywhere but the tender spot, please. But he nailed me good. And see, that's what I'm saying. Church has to be for you sometimes. Sometimes you need to come in, and whether it's myself or someone else or whatever church you're in, sometimes the pastor needs to hit you on the tender spot. You need to walk out going, man, that really hurt. That hurt. And, and see, again, that's part of how God wants to, to speak to you is, is, is through things like that. I think, you know, last week, for some of you, may have been a tender spot, right? When we talk about money, it's a tender spot. But again, God will speak to you through that. But here's what's so cool about God. When God does that, he doesn't do it just to convict you. He does it because he wants to change you. He does it because he, he wants to, to help you overcome whatever it is that you're going through. He wants to correct that wrong behavior. So he doesn't just leave you hanging. He gives you the out. He, he gives you the, the way to, to improve it and make it better. And that sort of leads into our third concept then, and it's this. And again, you may not hear these exact words, but at least the concept, and it is come home. Come home. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells this great parable. Many of you have probably heard it before. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. And it's about this kid that he basically goes to his dad and essentially says to him, I wish that you were dead. I wish that you were dead because I would get my inheritance. Why don't you just go ahead and give me my inheritance right now? Father's like, all right, here you go. Gives him the money. 
the kid leaves home. And he, he's a know-it-all. He, he thinks he's got, you know, life by the tail and he's, you know, just going to just conquer the world. And he goes out and he's got all this money and he's got this attitude. He's so arrogant and stuff. And he's partying and he's living wild and everything. But eventually he blows through all the money. And guess what? <laughs> he doesn't have any friends then. They were just in it for the money. They were just in it for the good time. And he gets so bad of shape that eventually... Scripture tells us he's working at a pig farm. He's sort of wallowing around in the mud with the pigs. He's doing that. And here's what you need to understand. He lost fellowship with his father. They weren't together every day. But he didn't lose a relationship. They were still father and son. And it broke the father's heart that his son would be off and doing all these wild things. But yet, the father had made it clear to the son that at any time, you can come home. You are welcome to come home. And let me just say this. Some of you, you know, parents and stuff, there's a great lesson in this. Many times when our kids, they want to go off and, and wallow around in the mud, what do we do? We chase after them. We don't want to see them doing that. And so we chase after them and, and we pull them out of that and we clean them up and everything. But here's the thing. They may be clean on the outside, but on the inside, they did that very reluctantly. They, they didn't come home because they wanted to come home. They came home because you pulled them out of it and you forced them. And so here's what Scripture says about this prodigal son. It says, when he came to his senses, I love that. When he came to his senses, he decided to return home. Folks, that's good news for all of us. That God is saying, look, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what mud you've been wallowing around in. At any time, you can come home. Come home. Some of you need to hear that today. doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God is saying, come home. One last thing on this one. Our job as followers of Christ is to make sure that people in the world understand that you cannot outsend the grace of God. It's impossible. You cannot do that. Number four, then, and it ties into the last one be reconciled. Now, this one especially applies to those that have never had a relationship with Jesus that you can be reconciled to God. and We call this the gospel. And basically it's this, that you and I are sinners. You and I have messed up. We, we haven't been perfect. We've made mistakes. But God loved us so much that He said, you know what? If I don't do something for them, they're all going to hell. And so I myself, God, I'm going to go to the earth in the form of a person 
the person that we call Jesus Christ. Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life that you and I could never live, and Jesus died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. He shed His blood. He took the punishment for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. That's really what the Bible's all about. Again, that's called the gospel. If you're not a part of a church where the gospel is being preached and where people are coming into a relationship with Jesus, again, please get out of that church because it's not a church on mission. Spaghetti dinners and car washes and fundraising, that is not what a church is supposed to be about. Just maintaining a building, that's not what a church is supposed to be about. The church is about lost people. Seeking and saving those who are lost. So again, I hope that those four little phrases will help you. That you need to hear those. And again, if I ever stop doing those four, then then you guys need to say, we're out of here. We're not going to waste our life. So again, foundation of God's Word. To repent, to turn from sin. And that you yourself are are feeling that conviction from time to time. Make sure that that message of come home, come home, that there's grace for everyone is being preached and that the gospel is being preached as well. All right, what's the fourth way then that, that God will speak to us? We've talked so far, he does it through his word, he does it through the spirit, he does it through the church. The fourth one is through other people. God will often use other people to confirm what you've already been sensing through the word and through a spirit. And here's the cool thing. When you intentionally surround yourself with people who they themselves are seeking God with all their heart, out of the overflow of what God's doing in their life, they're going to speak some words that are going to speak to you and you're going to go, wow, I don't even know if you realize it, but what you just said right now, that's like confirming something God's been speaking to me. Or it's convicting me about something God's been speaking to me. And they don't even know it in the moment that they're doing it. And probably the greatest example that you guys have with that is me. That I find it funny in the lobby, you know, almost every week there'll be at least one person will go, were you following me around this week? Or the other funny one is, you know, guys will say, did my wife tell you to say that? <laughs> Answer is no. But here's what's happening. God is using me as his big mouthpiece. I'm just a big mouth up here. That's all I am. But God's using me as his mouth to you to speak some things to your heart that he wants you to hear. And again, sometimes it's convicting. Sometimes it confirms something that's already been going on in your life. I mean, I've had some really freaky things happen in my life that, you know, I've been praying about things and God's confirming it in scripture and confirming it in other ways. And then all of a sudden somebody will just like say the exact same thing, like out of the complete blue. Many of you know my story of why I came here. I thought that moving here and church planning was stupid. But God spoke to me and spoke to my heart. And like the very next day after that, I got a phone call out of complete blue from the church planning director in our denomination saying, have you been thinking about starting a church? Uh, Let me tell you what just happened yesterday. And so God, God will do that. And he didn't know in that moment that he was going to speak a word from God to me. But yet that's exactly what it was. And he was just being obedient to make that phone call. And that's why you've always got to be obedient to do the things God's telling you to do. 
Because maybe that word that you're so afraid to speak to somebody is actually the word that God wants them to hear. Here's how Scripture puts this. Proverbs 13:20, and, and this is sort of the warning to the whole thing. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. What I want you to get from this is simply... Don't take financial advice from your crazy Uncle Eddie, okay? Or the the person that's always broke, that they're living paycheck to paycheck. Don't take marital advice from the woman at work that she's on her third marriage. God's not going to speak to you. Well, maybe he will speak to you about how not to do some things. But God wants to speak wisdom to you. He wants to speak truth to you. That's why we tell you, look, you've got to be in a life group. You've got to surround yourself with some people that they're not going to be perfect and you're not perfect, but together you're seeking to to grow and and to know God more. And that together, you know, you'll speak some things to one another that they're like, whoa, wow, that's a word from God directly to me and to my life. So again, be in a life group. If you're not in one, make sure you uh, on your connection card mark that you'd like more information about that. As I wrap up today... Let me remind you of the story I told you about the conference that I was at, and the guy was like two feet away. Again, that's how God is in your life right now. Many of you are going, God, where are you? Why aren't you speaking to me? And God's like, here I am, <laughs> right in front of you. But you've got to stop and, and listen. You, you've got to stop and pay attention to the obvious. And everything I talked about today wasn't rocket science. Cracking open your Bible and reading it for a couple minutes a day. That's not very hard. Listening to the voice of the Spirit and filtering everything that you're sensing through God's Word, that, that's not very hard. Showing up to a church every single Sunday, that, that's not very hard. Being in a life group, surrounding yourself with other people, that's not very hard. God will speak to you. He wants to speak to you. But many of us have all kinds of excuses of why we can't do those four very, very simple things. So you got a choice here this morning. Are you going to be like Job and his three friends that just babbled on and on and on for 34 chapters? They thought they had life all figured out. They had God all figured out. But the reality was they had him in a box. Or are you going to be like Job and humble yourself and say, God, the reality is I've been speaking way too much and I don't really know anything. And so I'm just going to humble myself and listen to your voice, through your word, through your spirit, through your church, and through your people. I pray you make the right decision here today. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for, again, just the the wealth of uh, knowledge that we're getting out of the life of Job. And that, Lord, we're learning that there's so much more to his story than that just he had a bad day. That... Lord, you you blessed his life more in the second half than you did in the the first half, but it was only after Job got to this place of humble submission where he he sought after you with all of his heart and he, he surrendered his life to you and he listened to your voice. So, Lord, I, I pray that same thing for us, that we would get serious about spending time with you and the in your word, that we would be more uh, attentive to that still small voice that's within us, the Holy Spirit of God.
that we wouldn't be freaked out by that. But we would say, wow, what a gift God has given me. I'm going to capitalize on that. I'm going to use that gift, not for my glory, but Jesus, for your glory. God, thank you that you've given us this thing called the church, not an organization, but an organism, a living body. Lord, thank you that you said that each one of us are a part of that body and that we're each important to the body. Help us to continue to together as Exponential Church and as the capital C Church throughout the whole world to serve you and, and to love you and to show the world that you died so that we might be forgiven. Lord, I thank you for people in my life that, that you've put around me that are wise counselors that speak words of truth to me. And I pray that every single person that is listening here today, either live in this room or via this podcast, that, Lord, that they would make sure that they're surrounding themselves with people that are wise, with people that are hungry for you, God. And, Lord, I, I pray that we would hear your voice clearly through the lives and through the words of others and that it would change us. God, thank you. Thank you so much that you love us and that your word is that we can come home no matter what we've done in the past. So yeah, Job and his friends, they made some dumb decisions, made some mistakes, but yet you still offered, come home, come home. I can change you. I can transform you. Lord, that's my prayer for each and every person that's here today. Change them and transform them more and more into your image each and every day of their lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.